this is week two uh, for us discussing the fruit of love uh, that we are called to display, cultivate in our lives. And uh, I want to do a couple of things before we dig into the text that uh, my wife and daughter just sang through 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, first of all, I, I want to remind you that the whole of the book of Galatians is what has brought us to this point. Because in the whole of this letter, Paul has been fighting for what? The truth of the gospel. That we have to get Christ crucified right. We have to understand that it is only in Christ that we are free. That we are free from the curse of the law. That we're free uh, from uh, the, 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 the death that the law will bring. That we're free from the flesh. Paul has brought us to this point, and now he lays on us understanding that in Christ, only by Christ, are we free to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The second thing I want to do is review, because this is part two of what we started last week. We, uh, we initially looked at, at the fact that from uh, the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture, God is described in terms of love. Uh, the most uh, pointed text is that text in 1 John that says this, very simply, God is love. It is His very nature to not just be loving, but to be love. And if it is his very nature to be love, and we possess his very nature in the spirit that, that possesses us, then it should be in our nature to be love to the world around us. Um, that is the importance of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And so we asked the question last week, we started answering the question last week, what is love? And the first thing that we talked about last week is this, love gives whatever the cost. And our example in that is not uh, just some other guy. Our example in that is Christ himself. He gave whatever the cost. We looked at uh, 1 John together, and love does this, love gives whatever the cost to meet the material needs of other people. And so as we look at the world around us and we recognize that there are many people who have those material needs, it is our responsibility to absorb that cost and to help meet those particular needs that may present themselves in their lives. I'm not going to re-preach everything that we talked about last week, but we also have the responsibility to meet the spiritual needs of others as well. This is probably the even greater piece of the puzzle. It is the greater piece of the puzzle that we're called to share Christ and the hope that he gives us with others around us, those who are sitting around us in this room. Because from week to week, we come and we go, and some weeks we come and we need more encouragement than we did last week. Some weeks we need the encouragement. Some weeks we're the encourager. That's what it is to be a part of a family together. That's what it is to be a part of the body of Christ together. So, second, love sacrifices to forgive. Love forgives. And uh, I can't emphasize this strongly enough for each of us because we all have people in our lives who have hurt us. Uh, and we will all be hurt by people even in future days that will come and future circumstances. Love forgives. Love is willing to absorb the pain of what that person said, the pain of what that person did. Love does that. And, and here's, 
Here's why this is so important. Because if you are not cultivating love in your life towards that person, forgiveness towards that person, what are you cultivating? Something is growing. And it's going to be the fruit of the flesh. It's going to be bitterness. It's going to be anger. And you're going to be moving in the wrong direction. And that bitterness and that anger will spread, not, not just in this relationship you have with the one person that hurt you, but it will spread to the other relationships in your life. And it will begin to destroy all of the relationships you have. And so it's very important that we understand this particular point. And I understand that's easy to say, It's not as easy to do, but let me say it this way. It is easy to do. It is easy to forgive people when we're walking in the Spirit. Why? Because that's what God does. That's who the Spirit is. That's what the Spirit does. He loves and He forgives. And so when we're walking and being controlled by the Spirit, that's it. So that, that catches us up. We've got one more answer to this question, what is love? And it's this. Finally, love reaches out. Love reaches out. I don't know what that was. Did something fall behind me? That was very loud. Love reaches out. The best way to summarize this point is love is a matter of actions rather than emotion. Please understand, love is a matter of action rather than emotion. The world tends to define love as what? Emotion. Something that's fleeting, something that can come and go. It can sweep you off your feet and it can leave you destitute in the next second. Uh, That's the way the world defines love. We're defining it by the biblical terms. Now, I don't mean to dismiss or diminish the emotional aspect to love. That's a beautiful thing that God has given us. But agape love, the agape love we are called to show is primarily about actions. It's about how we live. It means sometimes we must show love, we must do love, even when we don't feel like it even when the emotion isn't there for this point let's go to first corinthians 13 if you're not there please turn there first corinthians 13 i want to look at these first seven verses together to get us kick-started today if you've never noticed it before In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is addressing the Corinthian church that was struggling mightily in the relationships. Um, Some thought they were better than others because they had particular gifts. Tongues was a big one. And in chapter 12, he addresses that, and he says, you need each other. This is the body. This is who you are. And he also addresses that in chapter 14, where he talks about how prophecy is better than tongues, and he finishes this conversation about the body that Christ has put together. And what does he put right in the middle of all that conversation? A whole chapter on love. The the greatest thing we can have. He says at the end of chapter 12, I will show you still a more excellent way. What is the more excellent way? Love. So let's read together. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic power and I understand all the mysteries, all knowledge, and I have all faith so that I could even remove a mountain, but I do not have love, I am nothing. 
if I give away all that I have and I even deliver up my body to be burned, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Please understand what Paul is conveying, the same thing that, that Jesus conveyed. We can do a lot of things. We can perform a lot of actions. We can say a lot of words, but if, if they are not born out of a, a heart of love, then they're worthless and they're useless. And notice how he goes on to describe and define love. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails, never ends. Paul will conclude chapter 13 by saying, and now abide these three, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. The greatest of them. Notice, we're called to action here. In these descriptions that he gives us of love, and I love what author Jerry Bridges does here. He, he, he paraphrases these statements, and he, and he throws them back at us. Man, I am I'm going to break something. Um, here's, here's what he says. I am patient with you because I love you and I want to forgive you. That's a statement of love. I will be patient with you because I love you and I long to forgive you. How about this one? I'm kind to you because I love you and I want to help you. I do not envy your possessions or your gifts because I love you and I want you to have the best. I do not boast about my attainments because I love you and I want to hear about yours instead. I'm not proud because I love you and I want to esteem you before myself. I'm not rude because I love you and I care about your feelings. I'm not self-seeking because I love you and I want to meet your needs. I'm not easily angered by you because I love you and I want to overlook your offenses. I do not keep a record of your wrongs because I love you and love covers a multitude of sins. That's what love does. That's the action, the outcome of love. Now, we don't have time this morning to break down chapter 13. Some of you were here about four years ago and we broke it down into I think about 10 or 12 sermons. We called it our Summer of Love series, and 
Uh, we're, that, that is available for you on our website. We're going to link you to that this week. If you want to dig into love being patient and love being kind and you see deficiencies, you can go back and listen to those old sermons. Hopefully they've aged better than I have personally. Um, but, but they're there for you to listen to maybe while you're traveling this week. Uh, to, to be with family over the next couple of weeks, whatever, you can, you can listen through some of those. But love is about action. How do we know that? Because when, when God wanted to show his love, he didn't just send a card in the mail, he sent his son. He sent the best of what he had. Our ultimate goal is that we would have loving affection and emotion. We, we want that. I want to feel love towards you. And we should strive and pray for those. But until those come, guess what? We're still responsible to obey the commands to love others, to be patient, to be kind, to not uh, make a list of all of their failings. Oftentimes what happens is the affection and the emotion of love come after the obedience of love. An example of this could be uh, maybe you work with a difficult person. Everybody knows it. They're a jerk. Uh, they're cruel to everybody. They're rude to everybody. Everybody always has to pick up their slack at the office. And uh, yet you know you are called in Christ by the Spirit to love them, to forgive them, to be kind to them, to serve them. You don't, you don't feel like doing that. There's nothing natural inside of you that says, oh, man, I really just want to give that person a, a hug. You want to say, naturally, I want to put them in a chokehold and uh, hug them from behind until they pass out. That's our natural inclinations. You may not feel like forgiving them. You may not feel like bringing in, you know, stopping by Panera, getting their favorite drink and a bagel they like and bringing it to them as an act of loving service for them but we're called to obey our Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the way, washed the feet of all of the disciples, including Judas Iscariot, who even had already begun the process of betraying him. We love even our enemies. And oftentimes it is after these acts of obedience that the Spirit graciously gives us true affection uh, true feeling for those people that we, we just don't think we'll ever have that feeling of love for them. So here's, here's the seriousness of this issue. I want to put it in a question for you, for you to really consider today. Who are you failing to show kindness and goodness to? Who are you failing to show kindness and goodness? Who are you failing to be patient with? It may be a spouse, maybe kids, maybe your dumb dog, I confess. It may be a coworker. Who is it? And so right now, purpose in your heart, in your mind, that you will reach out to them. You will act towards them in some loving way as soon as you can. That's what Christ compels us to do.
But, but even as we consider this, this kind of sacrificial, self-giving, forgiving, outward-reaching love, uh, some of you, myself included, may be thinking, my love is not big enough. <laughs> my reservoir is not that deep. You, you don't know this person. You've never worked with this person. You've never had to deal with this person before. Which leads to the second question. How do we grow that reservoir? How do we we grow our love for those people who seem unlovable? To be clear, I want you to understand, and we have to understand, that love is a fruit of the Spirit. This is not something that you can can conjure up on your own and you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and, and just grit your teeth through it. This is a fruit that only the Spirit produces in our lives. So we have to cooperate with the Spirit. We have to open ourselves, yield ourselves. It says walk in the Spirit. All of those things that we see in Scripture to say, okay, God, I need you to love them through me. I need your incomprehensible, immeasurable, infinite love to flow through me. As it says in Galatians, we walk by the Spirit. So what does that entail? Well, this is where the rubber meets the road for us, really, even today. How do I grow this love? First of all, we have to saturate our minds in the Scriptures. Particularly in the Scriptures that describe and define love for us, its importance in our lives. We have to meditate on passages like 1 Corinthians 13, where it is very clearly defined, here is what love is. And that's not my definition. That's not the Apostle Paul's definition. That's God's definition of what love is and is meant to be and look like. And so we have to think about that love. We have to look at passages like Romans 13, 8 through 10, much of 1 John that describes this kind of love. If we truly want to grow in love, then we must begin meditating on these passages in the word that define and describe it for us. Otherwise, we come up with our own lame definitions of what love is. Otherwise, we let the world begin to define what love is. And ultimately, in those definitions, we miss the mark completely. We're led in the wrong direction. Many Christians even today will proclaim this particular statement, you can't love others until you love yourselves. Well, if the biblical definition of love is you come before me, how do those two work together? Well, they don't when you try to fit them together. Satan loves that when he can confuse us on these basic definitions of what love is meant to be. Our problem is not that that we love ourselves too little, it's that we love ourselves too much. And meditating on Scripture, we begin to understand this problem that lies in us. We get a clear view of ourselves. We get a clear view of God and who He is. Now, I want to qualify that by making this statement. Your worth, your value, which again, that's where that word love comes in and the world wants to throw their definition. It is not in who you are intrinsically. You're not valuable because of who you are. You're valuable because who who Christ has made you. You're valuable because you're created in the image of God. 
Our value is not found in, in us. It's not how highly we can esteem ourselves. It's how highly he has esteemed us by creating us and by recreating us when we messed it up. Therein is our worth and our value. That's much deeper than any esteem I could put on myself. I'm valuable because of him. We also need to meditate not just on these particular passages that define and describe, but, but passages that, that help us understand this particular attribute of who God is. Passages like Psalm 136 that we, we read together this morning. Every line, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. His chesed will never be changed. His covenant love for you no matter what you do or say or how bad you mess up, he doesn't look down with disgust. He loves us. Think of that verse in, in Exodus 34. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, here it is. Exodus 34. Uh, remember, this is when, when Moses is on the mountain and the Ten Commandments are being given. And, and Moses says, I want to I see your glory. I want to see your face. So you can't see my face. You'll be a pile of ashes, if even that. But when the Lord does pass by, here's, the, here's what the voice says. Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love and faithfulness. He maintains love to thousands, forgiving even wickedness. We need to meditate on passages like that. We need to consider the character of God. Old Testament, New Testament. But we also need to meditate on God's love for us. We need to understand the value that he places on us. I want to quote from Puritan Jonathan Edwards. Here, here's what he wrote. He says, such was the love of Christ to us that he did, as it were, spend himself for our sakes. His love did not rest in mere feeling nor in light efforts and small sacrifices. But though we were enemies, yet he so loved us that he had a heart to deny himself and undertake the greatest efforts and undergo the greatest sufferings for our sakes. He gave up his own ease and comforts and interests and honor and wealth and became poor and outcast and despised and had not where to lay his head and all for us. That's the love of Christ. And if that doesn't move us, then something's off. And we need to dig deeper. And then we need to read more and consider him more. So the first way we grow our love, we saturate our minds in the scriptures considering these things. Second, we gotta pray. We got to pray that the Holy Spirit 
will apply these truths to our hearts, to our daily lives, as we recognize um, instances in our lives where we're failing to love. I'm not being patient towards this person. I just lost it when they didn't do what they told me they were going to do. We have to confess those instances. We have to humble ourselves and say, my response was not in step with the Spirit. That was a, a fleshly response, and we have to confess those areas of our lives. Ask Him for grace to grow in those specific areas. And, and here's what you know is going to happen. When you say, I just can't understand Eric. He drives me insane. God, help me to love Eric. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to provide you with plenty of opportunities to view Eric's failures and deal with your own heart as you relate to him. Because that's how it works. And so I want to encourage you to pray, asking for grace to grow in those particular areas. Uh, part of this is believing in faith that he will. The result, let me quote here from uh, Timothy George. He says, the result of the transforming, sanctifying ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is just this, that we are enabled to love one another with the same love that God has showed us. Why? Because it's his spirit that's inside of us. It's his nature that wants to work itself out in the way you talk to people in the way you listen to people, in the way you serve people. His nature. That's the life-changing promise of the gospel. Do you believe that a prayer, asking God to grow your love for others, is a prayer that he wants to answer? <laughs> Absolutely it is. That is so in line with his will. That is a prayer that we should pray every day. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's somebody else in your immediate household. Maybe it's your, your cranky neighbor. I don't know who it is. Whoever it is, we need to pray those particular prayers. But don't fall for the lie that you just have to pray that prayer one time. Don't think that you can just say, all right, God, make me a loving person. No, everything in the context leading up to the fruit of the Spirit is what? War. The flesh and the Spirit are at war with each other. This is, this is a battle royale. This is a match of fighting. The, the Spirit may be willing, but the flesh inside of you is weak. It doesn't want to love. So we, begin, we, we have to bombard heaven with prayers to grow our love. We have to invite other faithful saints to join us in praying so that our love in particular areas can grow. We have to wrestle in prayer. And we have to do better here. Every one of us, we have to do better here, asking the Spirit to work in our lives. Finally, if we'll grow our love, saturate your minds, pray, and finally, we obey. We have to do the things that love dictates. Um, do not harm others. Forgive others. Prefer the interest of others over that of yourself. Meet the needs of others. Wash their feet. Greet others. Uh, be hospitable to others. All of the one another commands that we find in the New Testament, we have to begin to put those into practice as we relate to fellow church members and fellow household members and fellow co-workers and the people who God puts in our lives. And so the ball is in your court. 
The ball is in my court. The scriptures are clear. The spirit is ready and willing. Will you love like Christ loves? Or will you continue on your fleshly, selfish conquest pursuits? Who, who will be king in your life? Will Jesus be king? Or will you be the many false king? Here's where our journey begins as we move through the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, so I want to encourage you this week, take time to truly consider your love, your love for God, your love for others. Saturate your minds with Scripture. Pray for growth and obey whatever the cost, whatever the cost in doing so. You're living, you're looking a lot like the Savior that we claim to follow. And next week, I want to hear about it. Next week is our, our Thanksgiving service where we share testimonies of God's grace. And, and I, I want to hear from you next week. This week, the Spirit cultivated in me a love. This week, I obeyed and I loved this person who, who two years ago did this to me, and it hurt. But I bought him a bagel this week. Hey, I want to hear about those steps forward in the way in which the Spirit is leading you in loving other people. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? I want to give you an opportunity to pray. show kindness towards who do you need to forgive will you commit to saturating your mind this week and as you move forward with the scriptures that help us to understand the true definition of love Will you pray? Will you obey? God, thank you for the... Thank you for being who you are. You are glorious. And a part of that gloriousness is your love. We who are sitting in this room today we profess that we have experienced that love in such an intimate and real way that we have reshaped our lives around your son who gave his life for us. Reshaped in such a way that we're here on a Sunday morning when we could be doing all sorts of other things. But we come today to worship and to follow and to learn. And, and so I pray, God, that we would learn love 
that you would cultivate in us and develop your love so that we could show it to the many unlovely people that we interact with. God, help us to be obedient to these truths. Help us to take the time that it's going to take to grow in these particular areas. Please bring conviction to us when we fail so that we might be the city on the hill, so that we might be the lampstand that's not covered up, so that when people look at our lives, when they look at Medivy Baptist and this family, they see a beacon of love. It's your light shining through us, your love being lived out through us. Help us, God, in that endeavor. We cannot get there on our own. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a, a bulletin with you, um, I, I just want to take a moment. I, I want to look through some study questions, some things that you can consider this week. Uh, if you did not get one, you can get that on your way out. We'll have that on the email as well, digitally. Um, I'm taking, I swiped these from Bridges and some other authors, and I'm just putting these things together as we look at these different fruit in the coming weeks. Um, just to give you an opportunity individually, you can sit, you can think through these. There's usually going to be where you could do one a day if you wanted to as you move through the week, or you can discuss them as a family, maybe if you have opportunity to do that. Uh, but one of the things he encourages, read Mark 15, 16 through 37, set aside time to think about the love Christ showed in laying down his life for you. And, and so just, again, there's that idea, saturating your mind with what Scripture says. Do not, let, do not let a cheesy Hallmark movie, and I love a good cheesy Hallmark movie, but do not let that define for you what love is. That's, that's not it. Love is Christ laying down his life. That's the core of this thing. And so let the word of God shape those things for you. Um, give it time. What opportunities do you have to give of yourself to others, even at considerable cost? So doing some, doing some love brainstorming. Again, this is love is an action. Love doesn't sit around and wait. Hmm, I'll just wait until God shines a light on the person from heaven that I need to show love to. No, love, love does this, right? It looks, it's listening, it learns about the person, and then it loves, it acts. Three, what hinders you from loving other people? For example, perhaps preoccupation with personal concerns keeps you from caring about others or your desire to spend your money on your own needs keeps you from being generous towards others or maybe you've been hurt unwilling to take risks in relationships pray about the obstacles that limit your love who do you need to forgive question four and I pray and, and my hope is that we'll all spend time this week considering that one right there who are those people that I need to forgive? And number five, pray through 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7. What motivates you to love? What motivates or what motivations do you need to grow in? Uh, consider committing verse 4 to 7 through memory, uh, to your memory. And again, um, you can access 
the Summer of Love series where we walk through that, um, just exegetically looking at each of those things, and it breaks those down very well um, uh, using many different resources as well. Man, something is not happy with me. I feel like I'm about to get struck by lightning with all the, all the static with this. But uh, thank you for being attentive today. Um, but let's, let's, not just, let's be, not just be attentive. Let's act. Let, let's, let's do the hard work this afternoon, tomorrow, this week, to, to, to love and to grow in this particular fruit in our lives. And the others will come more easily when we do because it's a lot more easy to be joyful when we love. Next week, we're not going to talk about any of these on the list. We're going to add in a couple others. We're going to talk about gratitude. We're going to talk about generosity. And then we'll talk about the others as we move through the next couple. Thank you.